about the story. The story of the person that's been going around to houses robbing their donuts. Who's that? Yeah, some robber is going around just stealing people's donuts. Who's that? We don't know who it is. Is, it, is that me? Are you going to people's houses and stealing their donuts? No. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, August 25th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us here, as always, we got Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tessie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. We've got the international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, <laughs> making the magic happen, J.D. Hello. There he is, and here we are on a Tuesday. Shout out to everyone joining us live right now on YouTube. Keep all of your questions and comments coming for this Thursday's new Beach Steppin podcast. Email them in nodunks at theathletic.com or tweet them in at nodunksinc. And one day before that, Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we got a No Dunks Reddit AMA, a little Ask Me Anything. So I hope to see you there. And again, we'll tweet that link out. We'll get it up on Facebook. We'll IG it. So you'll have that link ready to go Wednesday, 1 p.m., No Dunks Reddit AMA. But we got lots to get to. We got a couple coaching uh, news items to get to. Brett Brown, gone. That was quick. And a fun one from Shams, a fun little report about Pop maybe headed his way to Brooklyn, or at least they'd like him to go there. But we got the games, and let's start with the West. Dennis Schroeder scores 30 as the Thunder top the Rockets to even the series at two games apiece. We got a series. Uh, what do you think, Lee? Get us started. You know, if you're a Rockets fan, um, you must be pretty frustrated right now because I think the Rockets' uh, stubbornness and refusal to sort of change their game plan no matter what could be what does them in for the playoffs here. Because yesterday, I mean, we know the the Rockets, their game plan is based on math. Three is worth more than two. So they go out and shoot as many threes as they can. And they started that second half hitting eight in a row. Right. But where math falls down for them apparently is they don't look at the uh, probability and they don't look at the uh, percentages that the law of averages say you probably, if you're going to hit eight in a row, at some point you're probably going to miss eight in a row as well. And you'll still be 50% from the field because the Rockets, I thought, had this game. They led by double digits and they were playing well and they just kept firing away and fine, they missed a couple, but then they didn't even really change the game plan up at all and just allowed the Thunder to get back into this game. And when the game got tight in that fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, James Harden a couple of times went inside and scored pretty easily on layups because there was no real interior defense. Stephen Adams wasn't in the game because the uh, Thunder haven't really been able to take advantage of him in this series. But then the Rockets just still fired away and and it ended up costing them, I think. And again, I know this is their MO. This is their Live game Live by plan. the three, die by the three. Lady. I know, but at some point you have to also understand and you have to go, you know what, guys? Why don't we at least try getting a few more inside baskets or at least like James Harden a couple of times there with Lou Dort on him took some 35 footers that kind of reminded me of a Joel Embiid against the Sixers against the Celtics where it's like, you know what, I I just don't I just don't want to drive. I'm a little bit lazy here and I'm settling for these threes Mm -hmm. and they're bad shots. They're bad shots as great as James Harden has been at times. I think this is what we see from him in the playoffs where he's like, I just, you know what, now I'm just going to throw these ones up and hope. And uh, and really, the Rockets, they could have swept this series. They could be down 3-1 in this series, or they could have gotten swept. Because, again, th- this sort of game plan, and it has cost them in the past in the playoffs, 
They don't seem to have learned or understood that sometimes you just need to not fire away quite so freely. You have to at least try to mix things up a little bit. And uh, I think this one was an example of that where they had this game. They had this game and a 3-1 lead. And when you're at a 3-1 lead, you're virtually going to win this series. You're going to close it out more or less in the next game. Now it's 2-2. And if you're the Thunder, you're like, we're right back in this. And, uh, and, and I think this is the thing what the Rockets need to at least learn some lessons of years gone by because I thought that was a very, very bad, a very lazy end to the game that ended up costing them uh, the game. And, and as I say, they're now 2-2 in the series. You guys have anything to add to that? I mean, they're missing Westbrook. I think he could have helped in a case like that, Lee, where you talked about, hey, let's maybe stop jacking threes here and let's drive and try to get to the line or get a layup because there's nobody inside, like you said. They're missing him. I don't know if he's going to be back for game five here suddenly. They could sure use him, it looks like, because the Thunder have found a bit of a groove. But, but Trey, what would you add to the what Lee is saying there about the Rockets just firing away? Yeah, no Westbrook is is key for getting baskets at the rim, but if you lose a game seven by missing 27 straight threes, then double down on shooting even more threes, you're probably going to just keep shooting threes yeah. when it comes to it uh, in the playoffs. And it was looking fine at the beginning of the third quarter when, they, when the Rockets made eight straight threes, but the Thunder, Chris Paul, just kept chipping away, just kept keeping them close enough, close enough, close enough, and then suddenly the Thunder reserves come in, and it was a huge run. Uh, for the Thunder, that was pretty impressive uh, that they were able to battle back, not with you know their starters in there, and then come uh, come clutch time, the Thunder have been good in the clutch all season long, and it finally showed up for them in games three and in games four. Like Lee's saying, the Thunder or the Rockets are probably kicking themselves for losing game four, and game three looks even worse now in yeah. hindsight. Now that this is a two-two series, but. The Thunder went to their small lineup, Danilo Gallinari playing the five, and the lane just opened up, and it was a layup fest for Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder, the one true Dennis. It was impressive. The, that was a Thunder-style win. Uh, they did exactly what they like to do, except for they changed it up a little bit, which is something you don't always see for the Rockets. You know, the the, the small lineup wasn't super effective for OKC the entirety of the game, but it was effective when it mattered most, and it got them a couple of easy baskets that maybe wouldn't have happened if they were playing their standard Bigs alignment. James Harden wasn't good coming down the stretch. He had a great game. He he really had a solid game distributing the ball. They doubled him. They got it out of his hands. But what he's good at is getting to the free throw line. And he led the league this year with 12 free throws per game. But I think, as we've seen in the past, as we've learned in the past, he gets gassed at the end of basketball games, especially when he plays all fourth quarter all 12 minutes in that fourth quarter and he only had a tiny one minute game time breather in the third so he played 23 of the 24 minutes we've seen this movie before and so down the stretch 130 to go he's got the smallest smaller Dennis Schroeder on him he should be able to dominate that he tries to draw a foul call and throws it up it doesn't go in then he gets a defensive rebound he tries to pass it up to Eric Gordon a lazy pass it gets ripped off by Danilo Gallinari and the Rockets lose from there. So he did all he could. He played pretty well. He even ripped Chris Paul's a nice defensive uh, move a little bit earlier in the game. But we've seen the movie before with James Harden. He only had five free throws. He didn't get to the line enough. And I think Mike D'Antoni made a mistake playing him so many games. If Russell Westbrook is there, yeah, they definitely win this game. Uh, but James Harden uh, here in, in game four, Again, it's one one more time with with this scenario. Uh, they they just try to play him too much, and when you have Lou Dort out there, who is really making it tough for him. Lou Dort is one of those guys that is 
more enjoyable to watch on the defensive end than whatever the hell is happening on the offense with the Houston Rockets. <laughs> he is just so special uh, the way he can dance in, in, in front of James Harden. And James Harden wore down as the game went on. He missed seven of his last eight threes. He missed nine of his last 12 shots. And that was that was the difference for me. Again, Russ needs to be out there, but that's sort of the, the burden. That's that's you, you live by the sword and die by the sword here with, with the way the Rockets play. You put the ball in James Harden's hands every single time. He made the right decisions most of the time. Uh, but, yeah, the math is three over two, but the math is also get to the line. And that's right. why James Harden is supposed to get to the free throw line. It's The analytics is, yeah, shoot threes, but also shoot layups. And they right. hit. They only hit one uh, mid-range shot. The math was all good. Uh, but, yeah, they just, they just missed that other part just a little bit. It was really close, and that's why they traded for Russell Westbrook. They know that James Harden can't carry this team into the last minute every single time, night in and night out. And D'Antoni shouldn't have played him that many minutes. Well, okay, hold on. The movie's changed here a little bit, the plot line of this movie, because usually it was, we get to the playoffs, Harden struggles, and it's like, well, he was gunning all season long for the MVP, played too, way too many minutes, way too many games. That's not the case now. Everybody had a four months off, and now it's he's just played too much in the second half of a game four that he's, that he's gassed? Is that what it is? I mean, he needs the help. He needs the Westbrook help, as I said, but I don't know about this. I mean, it's credit to Dort, and him just making some dumb decisions. You said that one outlet pass was brutal. That, that could have been the game right there. Houston is down one in that, but Shea misses the three. Houston or Harding grabs the rebound. He's got it. Let's go. And he just throws a lazy, very lazy outlet pass that's picked off. And then there was another one where Jeff Green just sloppily dropped the ball in the corner. He was going to probably shoot a corner three, I assume. That's what the Rockets do. Butterfinger, it drops. I mean, it's just made some dumb mistakes. And again, it goes back to that game three where they defensively just made dumb mistakes where they were like, all right, well, we'll just give you the layup. Don't worry. We got to hold on to the lead here. And now they're tied 2-2. This is rough. Yeah. Well, he's got to sit him. I don't don't understand why Mike D'Antoni doesn't sit him. It happens to everybody. Danilo Gall, or I'm sorry, um, Damian Lillard plays 12 fourth quarter minutes. He's tired. It's just, it's everybody gets tired if you play every single minute. And Eric Gordon is doing a decent job as playing as the backup point guard. Uh, but that is why they traded for Russ. They know that this is this was going to be the scenario. They need Russ in game five. Uh, or Because OKC has just figured it all out, as many teams are going to do with the Houston Rockets over a seven-game set. Russ is moving pretty well on the sidelines there. He was getting into <laughs> it with the uh, with the Thunder with his old mate Stephen Adams as well, which was a surprise. But uh, yeah, you wonder if the Rockets have been just playing it cautious with Russ, hoping that they were up 3-1 in this right. series, but now it's 2-2. Does he come back? And uh, because it's kind of like now, they they absolutely need him. They can't afford to drop certainly uh, two more games, but obviously uh, they don't want to be down three two in the series as well. So they, they need him. But um, yeah, you, you know that 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 defensive hustle that we saw in those first two games from the Rockets also seems to have uh, not evaporated entirely. But Dennis Schroeder yesterday, I thought was very good at just getting into the paint anytime he wanted as well. The Rockets don't have that resistance they had, so. You wonder if uh, if they're just collectively starting to wear down a bit because again they you know all their players play so many minutes and they play so hard, mm-hmm. but uh, it's catching up with them again and uh, and this is this is now just the worst case scenario for the Rockets. They're going at least two more games in this series, um, and and then you know going forward, what does that mean for them in uh, in future playoff rounds if they even make it that far? Harden definitely frustrated. I'm sure you guys saw it. We'll show it to everybody here joining us live on YouTube. As he's walking off the floor, knocking over the hand sanitizer station there. 
this guy's done with the game. He's done with COVID. <laughs> yeah, I feel you there, Jay. I love how he pushes it over just so perfectly. It this dries so too fast. How does this yeah. dry so fast? That's the question I always have with hand sanitizer. You put it on, it's slick for one second, then instantly your hands are the softest they've ever been. Oh, you got to be happy with those hand sanitizers because there's some bad ones that'll stick with you for like 15 minutes. You'll be soft. Keep doing this. That was, yeah. hey, that, was a, that was a pure L. I will say, <laughs> back to OKC, you said it there, Lee, Schroeder. I mean, him and Chris Paul were outstanding in the final, like, what, five minutes, four and a half minutes uh, of this game. They they combined to shoot four of six from the floor. A lot of those at the rim, like you said. Schroeder, uck. I hated Schroeder when he was on the Hawks. I'll just say it. I thought he was garbage. I thought he was a horrible player. I didn't think anybody out there liked playing with him. That's your point guard. He's just jacking shots. You're like, come on, man. Give me the ball. Like You could just sort of feel that no one liked playing with him. And he has really found his role. I think he's helped, of course, by playing with Chris Ball. Maybe that mentorship has helped. It's obviously worked for Shea a little bit. But uh, he was amazing. He's been amazing these last two games now. Where they don't win these games if Dennis Schroeder isn't playing and hitting all these shots. I've been like, that little scoop. The one you were talking about, Lee, like where he just goes, kisses it high off the glass to sort of, uh, you know, sort of seal the victory in a way. Man, he he can be special. He's sort of infuriating at times still for me. I don't know about Thunder fans, but uh, he's he's shut me up. He's he's turned into a bit of a gamer here because he's got the, he's not afraid of the big moment. That's for sure. Definitely not. He's been nah, I think um, he's really fun to the watch, difference maker, actually. I feel like, for the Thunder in their Game 3 and Game 4 win just because he's like so aggressive and he wants to go score the ball almost as soon as he gets it. I thought that was such a problem for uh, the Thunder in Games 1 and 2 was they would get into that Rockets iso ball and it would like back it out, take your time, give the Rockets a chance to set up, get your defense set, and it's hard to get into the lane like that. The past couple of games, Chris Paul and, of course, Dennis Schroeder have been getting it and going, getting yeah. right to the rim. They're not messing around. They're not giving the Rockets a chance to prepare for what they're going to be attacking. It's been it's been working out way better for OKC. Yeah, and OKC, like we got to remember, they don't really have like that one scorer who's just capable of putting the team on their back, right? Like they don't have a Harden, they don't have a Lillard, they don't have even like a Mitchell or a Murray. They don't have that type of guy. It has to be like this collective where it's like. All right, 25 from you, Chris. You know, 25 to 30 from you, Schroeder. You know, okay, Shea, we need another good 20 from you. Like, they sort of, like, they all have to play well all at the same time for the most part. And that's, like, when their best chance to, uh, you know, in a close game, because they played in a million of them, to uh, just hold on late and hit clutch shots late. Um, and it's it's pretty cool to see. It's so different than a lot of these other squads, like I said, like, where you got a guy that can go for 50 or 55 and maybe just win you the game. But uh, they, OKC doesn't have a guy. Even Schroeder or Chris Paul or Shea, as great as they are, they're not those type of guys, you know what I mean? Dennis Schroeder is a pretty fun watch when he's got it going because he's a, a unique basketball player. Like uh, Victor Oladipo's old little saying, feathery, like he likes to play feather. I think Dennis Schroeder <laughs> embodies that when he, when yeah, he gets he's up. and feathers. He's, he's, what's that? He's got feathers? Yeah, he's, feathered. he's feathery for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got the touch, uh, the feathery touch. And when he, he does his dismount after a jump, it's like he drops one leg first and then the other leg so delicately. He just knows he just knows how to look cool. And and he's also he's he's just the opposite of a trash talker. He's 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 just gentle and delicate and as he goes back on defense. He's hitting shots all over <laughs> what the place. What are you talking about? You got to explain that one to me a little bit. No, more. he's just his footwork, the way he lands, everything is is gentle. He's he's like he's tiptoeing up the floor. He's mm. like a dancer. Uh, he's a ballet. He's an artist out there, and he had some good 
times with those Hawks. Yeah, it was it was an ugly ending for sure. He uh, did. But he you're had, right. You're right. He, he had, had moments. He had the for one sure. series against the Wizards yeah. when he was the quote unquote leader, and he shot you know 42 percent from three and 25 from 25 points per game and like yeah. eight assists. Um, so he can, he can if he can be a complimentary guy. Like he he was crap the first couple games in this series as he came back from. Uh, uh, having a baby everybody's having babies in the bubble but right. uh, the bubble baby showed up in, in games three and four here and now he's you know he's van fleeting it like everybody else who has a baby so he's looking he's looking great and he, the thing is they match up pretty well with the rockets uh, when you look at it because they have so many good guards and if they can pick their their spot pick their best defender to go up against you know, like if Chris Paul's got it going or Shea's got it going, and but Schroeder's got the best if he's got a Jeff Green like he did, and right. Jeff Green was working his butt off, uh, but he managed to just get by him and put it delicately off the glass and call it a night. It was a uh, it was a great game, but uh, you know we we it, we're always black and white in sports here. The Rockets should have won this freaking thing, and uh, they're right down to the wire, and a, a one decision uh, or two decisions by the Rocks, and they they're up. Yeah, three well, even uh, PJ Tucker, right, with like thirty seconds to go, he the they're down three, I think, at that point. But he has a wide open look from the mm. corner. Hey, PJ Tucker's always open in the corner, <laughs> uh, and can usually hit it. But uh, he clanked it. I mean, he wasn't even close. Yeah, I don't know if his legs were gone, or I know he was getting worked on on the sidelines too. But uh, yeah, you got to remember, this is a crazy lineup we're actually seeing here. Forget the Rockets, who we've talked about for a while now because they've gone small. CP3, Shea, Schroeder, Dort. Lou Dort, and then Gallinari <laughs> as the five. Like this yeah. is a crazy lineup, but it works against a team like the Rockets, Lee. Yeah, no, it, it does. Uh, it is a good matchup. And Lou Dort, it's it's a quite a dilemma, I think, for Billy Donovan because he hit three threes yesterday, but he took nine of them. And if you're the Rockets, you'll live with Dort taking nine threes a game. Take take as many as he wants, and he's often. I'll wide. live with him hitting three out of nine, though. If I'm well, yeah, I mean, look, he did he, he did start off okay, but he is he's just left wide open because the Rockets are like, we just don't think he can make that, and and it's like it's found money when he does, but mm-hmm. defensively, you know, he gets right into Harden's grill, and you can tell when he does go off and Harden has someone else, he's like, great, I I can finally go in and attack a little bit more without meeting someone who's physically as uh, as tough as Dort, but um, yeah, for Billy Donovan, it's like. He's the guy who's going to be open, and that shot is not pretty. It's not pretty. He's working on it, and he shoots it with confidence. I'll give him that. But uh, it's like, oh, man, it's, it's almost got a little bit too much arch on it as well. Like, he shoots it a little too high uh, right now. Uh, but it, it's interesting that, they, you know, Andre Robinson is kind of that same guy, you know, a oh, defensive yeah. player who they want to shoot threes. He couldn't really do that. So now Dort's out there doing it for them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at least with Billy Donovan, he knows – that on the, you know, James Harden doesn't like going up against Dort. And I think Royce Young had some stats. I don't have them handy, but, you know, he's been effective in at least uh, troubling James Harden. So so that's where Billy Don was like, we've got to have him out there on that end. But uh, on the offensive end, it's like anything he can give us is a bonus uh, sure. right now. But but again, I think the Rockets, they have to get out of their own way a little bit in this series. You know, they're, they're like at the blackjack table that's hot. And, you know, when that ta- when the table's hot, you got to leave when you, when you start when it starts turning, the Rockets just stay at the table, go on, give them back all their winnings, you know, and then uh, and then they get lazy at the end. They're up about a hundred bucks, and like, just I'm just going to try to walk away here. No, uh, that's and, when you start to walk back to the hotel room. You still yeah. have hundred bucks. You're like, oh, you just, roulette table. Yeah. Hey, let me just throw it all on black yeah. or, or something like that. And, and, and then you, it, it up, then you yeah. lose it all. Yeah, yeah, you do. You're just like, I just don't even care if I lose this, and if I win, <laughs> who cares as well? I'm just I'm just going to play until I lose, basically. 
Uh, but that's are you saying the Rockets are only playing in the playoffs for the free drinks right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just I honestly like the, the Clippers Maverick series is the best series. This is, I think, the most frustrating to watch because uh, it's it's just been it, it just drives me crazy when look like Dan Tony and Daryl Morey know more about basketball than, than me. But at the some point, I want the Rockets to say, "All right, let's just let's just relax on the threes for a couple of possessions here." <laughs> Come on, guys, because honestly, they made twenty three threes last night. I like, know, I know that. But 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 it was the the problem was they hit eight in a row, and then they went four for twenty five, I think, from there, and they gave they back all their winnings to the the Thunder. They allowed the Thunder to get back into it again. I know that's the way they play, but at some point, you have to just say. Let's just go inside. Let's move the ball around. Let's just try something here because uh, it, it ended up doing them in. It costed them the game. And, and again, this has happened to them in the past in the playoffs. So I think that just has to be like some plan You just B. want a balance of some sort. I want, I just, I want, I want at some point them to say, okay, we've missed, we've missed 12 in a row here, guys. Let's someone drive, get a free throw. Just mix it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but the odds are, Lee, they're going to hit there in the 13th one. <sighs> well, I, hit the <laughs> but again, it comes back to the averages. You hit eight in a row, you're going to miss eight in you, a row. You got to take a stats class, mate. There's no such thing as the law of averages. <laughs> that's like the first thing they teach you in stats. The law of averages is made up. It's but if what you go, people it, say that's not true. They shoot like 33% or 34% on the season. So if they're shooting 100% on eight, by the time they take 20, they're going to drop back to like, 35%, aren't they? Which is their average. So they're going to miss those 12 in a row. That's that's the way I look at it. And I mean, you can t- tell. Tass is right, though. Like, usually the Rockets are shoot a bunch of threes, but also get to the free throw line or get the layups. Just get rid of the dumb long twos. You know, the dumb long twos in their opinion. But they're not doing the second part. No, but they're then, getting the yeah. line. And credit has to go to guys like Dort and the defense of the Thunder. But we think the Rockets are, and what it sounds like you're saying, Lee, is like they're letting them off the hook because they're Absolutely. not really trying. Absolutely, they're yeah, letting them off right. the hook because there's, there's too many times, I think, when it comes down and it's House or it's Covington. Again, I know these guys can hit those threes, but when you've missed a ton in a row, you just want it to be like, maybe let's just move it around a little bit and let's try to get someone cutting inside. Eric Gordon's been good at going into the paint. Like, let's try that. Let's try to get a foul. Jeff Green has a couple of times too. Yeah. As, as painful yeah. it is for me to say that. He's <laughs> tricking me, but yeah, no, yeah. you're right. Uh, uh, they blew it. They blew, yeah. blew, blew, blown the last two games. But I, I, again, credit to the Thunder for keeping it close enough. Yeah, but again, the, the Thunder don't stay in it if, if the Rockets put them away and they, mm-hmm. and they weren't able to do that in uh, game three or four. So I think we were split in our predictions with this series. We had Tass and Lee saying Thunder. We had uh, Trey and myself saying Rockets. Is anybody changing their opinion or is everybody feeling pretty good? Because I know a lot of us had <laughs> this, this going six or seven. Yeah. Still feels like a seven-game series, it you know. Does. We've seen adjustments by the Thunder uh, to to the switching defense of the Rockets, and now we'll see if the Rockets will actually make some sort of an adjustment, or if it's going to be the same sort of thing where we just say Harden never gets to the free throw line in the playoffs. Hmm. Uh, I picked yeah, I picked Thunder in six. That that's still in play, so I'm going to stick with it. And Tass, you went Thunder in seven, I think. You got to bring back Russ, and then I'll change my. Yeah, I'll that's big. my prediction. Yeah, that's huge. He's got to come back. He's got to come back. He's been standing for four straight games on the sideline. <laughs> I think he's ready to go. He really has. He's never sitting down. Mm-hmm. He's always like in the corner there, like just so he can come around that little barrier, right? Mm-hmm. He, uh, he, he makes us pre- love him. 
He came prepared, though, to be almost sitting on the sidelines. His fashion is just incredible. Like, he was rocking the Kobe jersey yesterday. and I mean, I know it was a big Mamba day. Everyone was doing stuff. But Russ just looked awesome on the sideline. He's got a different mask for every day as well. Yeah. Like, he's, uh, he's, not, he's not hating uh, the fact that he gets to turn up in a, in a, like it's like a fashion show for him. He wishes yeah, he could play in that, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. That would be yeah. pretty cool. All yeah. right, well, let's... Uh, Happy sorry. Mamba Day to everybody. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, speaking of Mamba Day, um, <laughs> on Mamba Day, is how you pronounce it, the Lakers dominated the Blazers 135 to 115. It wasn't really even that close. Uh, Trey, what's your big takeaway from this one? Well, there's no better way for the Lakers to celebrate Mamba Day than by destroying the Portland Trailblazers. I think that that's just a, a very fitting considering the history that Kobe had with the Blazers. But, um, you know, it feels to me that the matchups have officially tilted in, in Lakers versus Blazers. This was a dominant performance by L.A., probably their best of the bubble. LeBron went for 30 on 10 of 12 shooting, 10 assists, 6 rebounds. He's now up to 25, 10, and 10 for the series, 56%. Anthony Davis, 18 and 18 minutes. He was getting whatever he wanted. He was great on defense. And we're starting to see what people thought was going to be the case coming into Lakers-Blazers was that there's nobody to guard LeBron. There's nobody to guard AD. And after that, the defense is probably going to carry the way. Portland was great in game one. Um, You know, the Lakers toughed it out for games two. And after games three and four, this thing's looking a little bit douchey to me. Yeah, looking like a douchebag. Looking douchey. Yeah. 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 LA's won the last three games uh, by an average of 17 points. So they're (laughs) hammering them now. The Blazers, um, it feels like the Cinderella run has maybe come to an end here. And it's sort of similar to me, like a a number 12 or 13 seed uh, that makes it through the first weekend of March Madness, right? Of the tourney, and everyone's getting excited. And then that second weekend hits, or the second game of that second weekend hits, and they just get spanked. Uh, but you know the better team, and it's it's over. And look, Lillard, you know, leaves this one eventually. This is this is also rough news, of course, for the Blazers. He's got an MRI on his right knee, inconclusive, and now he's going to undergo a second MRI, I believe, this afternoon. He could be just done for the season. So the Cinderella, Cinderella run truly coming to an end. And you hope it's not anything extreme where it goes into next season uh, whenever the heck that starts is if, it, if it's February or March but uh, yeah I think it's over teams leading a best of seven series 3-1 have won 96% of the time there Lee mm. so that, that's big so I can't imagine the Blazers are coming back in this one but yeah I mean it's really the case of defense looks great again they're doing an unbelievable job of getting the ball out of Lillard's hands and uh, and even McCollum to that matter and then AD and, and uh, LeBron I mean there's just no answer to stopping them when they're so engaged like that right yeah KCP picking up Lillard from the very first possession, right. 94 feet. Like, that's their message is like, you know what? No, None of those other guys are going to be able to keep up with us, but Lillard may be able to. So we just have to make life as difficult for him as we can. And then on the offensive end, I thought LeBron came out last night as if to say, we want to end this in five games. We've got to move on to the next series. And the Lakers, because they haven't been playing all that well in the bubble, they've just started to now click a little bit and find their groove and be like, okay, now's the time to pick it up. And uh, again, it starts with LeBron. He looked incredible from the start. And, uh, yeah, the Lakers, I think, were up 15-0, maybe it was. And even then it was like, oh, it's, it's just, it just felt so tough that the Blazers were even going to get back into this. And uh, that kind of was the way the game went. So, yeah, this one's done in five. But uh, the Blazers have left us with some uh, awesome moments from the bubble experience, that's for sure. Tass? Yeah, the Blazers' defense just isn't good enough to uh, get into the paint and then guard the three-point line. And so now the Lakers have figured out uh, that they can 
dominate inside with their their two big boys in Braun and AD, and now the shooting is raining down, and so that's it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, I did like you know, from this game, um, it was poetic the way they they handled Mamba Day right from the get go. I kind of find it poetic. I, I don't want Damian Lillard to be hurt, but I, I think maybe. When a team or when a well, yeah when a team is done in the series, that their best player should get you know lightly injured. It's poetic to see him uh, walk away, limp off into the sunset as they lose. As long as he's healthy and he's ready to go, it's it, there was it was a poetic day. And, and even Chris Paul uh, took a photo of the scoreboard. I'm not sure if he was in the arena. OKC played a little bit earlier in the day. <laughs> mm, I don't um, think so, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, d- I don't know. But it was like, did he take somebody else's screen grab? I Is think so, yeah. Because I thought I saw the photo from someone else like going around and that he then just sort of stole it. <laughs> As you can do oh, no. on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could be wrong. That's how I, th- that's how I thought it went down. But yeah, point, so, point out the reason why he was sharing the scoreboard. Yeah, it was 24 to 8. Mamba Day fitting. And so he was doing some scouting for sure, uh, his potential next <laughs> opponent uh, of the, the, the Los Angeles Lakers. But the Blazers, yeah, the, I think we all know the Lakers weren't taking their eight game run so seriously. And uh, the seeding games, I should say. And mm-hmm. now they found their groove against the, the Portland Trail Blazers. And now she over because they now now they know where their shots are and uh, they're playing hard on defense and they're the far superior defensive team so they've got it going on. Yeah, their their best bet to win the series was just to hope that the Lakers still couldn't hit a shot from outside the paint. And for the first couple of games, it sort of worked. And then, especially Anthony Davis in games three, and then even in games four, even though he didn't play a ton of minutes, he left with back spasms. You're hoping that's nothing serious with him, but. He just suddenly now can't miss those mid-range shots, and it's a it's a wrap. It is like it's over. I'm with you guys. It'll probably be five. Unless Lillard's got something special still in his bag, can he play through the injury if he's even going and uh, give us you know one more game? Probably, probably not. According to uh, Jared Dryden here, Chris Paul was there for the first half hmm. in the arena to watch the Lakers game, and that he stayed around the arena, but after his game but I find that hard to believe because there was a game in between so you're telling me Chris Paul all drenched Jared Dryden was (laughs) hanging out for four hours but apparently they said it on the broadcast maybe I wasn't tuning in I guess none of us were really tuned into this blowout uh, that Chris Paul uh, was hanging out I went like this when LeBron came down I guess it was somewhat early in the third quarter if I'm not mistaken and he hit like the 36 foot bomb where he just pulled up and shot that, and it was like then balloon. Was that like a thirty-eight point lead? I took the computer screen and I just went bloop and just closed it <laughs> no, down. Looped it. I'm going to bed because this yeah. is, they're not coming back here. I've seen enough. Um, let, let's have an early night. So yeah, yeah. Okay, Chris Paul was there. Maybe he took the photo. Maybe I'm not, I don't know. I'm sure not. I'm still not convinced he took that photo. <laughs> Weird angle to it, if you ask me. Where the heck was he sitting? Was he like sting up in the rafters? Anyway. Um, LeBron did hit a couple of bombs last night, sure though. Sure did. Um, maybe he's figured out his sight lines. Scary stuff for the rest Ooh. of the Western Conference. <laughs> That's true. And playing with no fans there, yeah, he's figured it all out. It just takes him a little takes while. Takes a while. For sure. All right. We'll get to the other games, but first, a quick word from our sponsors here. You know, guys, uh, in these troubled times, we can continue supporting our restaurants in our community safely because there are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need our patronage and yours more than ever. So you can support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash now. I don't know if you guys remember a few years ago, I used a competitor uh, a couple of times and had awful experiences with them. Mm. They were trash, trash, I tell you, to the point where 
Until I, they advertise with us later on. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not going to say the uh, this company because it was the other company. Um, uh, anyway, I left them a nasty message and a nasty review. Then I deleted the app for good. Wow. Oh, like, got them. Never coming back. Because there was one time where they said my food was delivered. And then I called them up and they said, oh, no, that order was never even made. And I'm like, how does it mean that? How can you say that my order is delivered if it was never made? It was crazy. Anyway, that would never happen with DoorDash because... Never. Never. No, because I've had some actually really good experiences uh, with DoorDash. In fact, one time in the office, I DoorDash a couple of times uh, for, for us. Uh, and I got the discount as well. Because Whoa. ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless see it's a horrible (laughs) word we gotta get rid of that word delivery drop off (laughs) setting and with over 300,000 partners in the US Puerto Rico Canada and Australia you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favourite national restaurants so I wonder if I could order from Australia and get it shipped over (laughs) probably not probably not Uh, I'd get some uh it's a mystic pizza from Sunbury. That was the best pizza in Sunbury back mm. in the day. Um, many of your other local restaurants are still open for delivery too. I've used a couple. Uh, one up the road here, which I could walk to, but I use DoorDash because I get a discount, mm. uh, which is great. So anyway, right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more, which is virtually nothing. So you may as well do it when you download the DoorDash app and enter code NODUNKS. That's $5 off. Your and $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code NODUNKS. Don't forget, that's code NODUNKS for five bucks off your first order with DoorDash. How often have you been ordering food here, Lee, over the last couple of weeks? I would say uh, we're on a weekly. We're on a yeah. weekly. Sometimes, yeah. a, sometimes a bi-weekly, weekly depending. Um, but yeah, I have found it effective. I'm not just like being a uh, company man here. DoorDash has been... <laughs> Way better than the other uh, trash that I The used. other guys. <laughs> the other guys, yeah. Great. Do you yeah. think that somebody from the other guys ate our pizzas that were never delivered? Just driving around eating our pizzas? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I do. I do, because they were good pizzas. You remember the pizzas I ordered. They were great. Oh, they were good pizzas. So I think the, good. Yeah. I think it was, uh, an, it was an inside job, if you ask me. <laughs> My God. I actually miss sitting in that office ordering food with you guys <laughs> and arguing about what we're going to order and, how, oh, and when yeah. we're going to order it. Oh, man. I actually miss that. One day. One day in the future, we'll door dash together, gentlemen. Door dash. Yes. All right. I haven't done much um, couch surfing these last few weeks. I've been holed up here in the office watching a lot of NBA playoff games all day, all night. But it's weird. I'm not even sure I miss my couch. Why? Because it's not a burrow couch. It's something else I got out there. I don't even know what I got. It's not as good, though. Burrow be better. Burrow offers unique features that you won't find in big box furniture store sofas. Burrow has built-in USB chargers so your phone doesn't die while you lounge. Burrow has a durable fabric that's natural scratch and stain resistant. You can drop your mystic pizza all over that couch. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Burrow is practical and versatile. You can assemble your sofa or you can break it down. I kid you not, in minutes. And you don't even need tools. So, you know, you don't need to worry about where you hid the dumb Allen key. Oh, is that the right one? You don't need it. Mm. Burrow be better. Go to burrow.com slash no dunks to get $75 off your purchase plus fast and free shipping. $75. These things are usually like, what, $5, $10 coupons we give you? $75 fin dogs. 
That's awesome. <laughs> Go to their site for details. That's B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash no dunks for $75 off Burrow Be Better. That's the tagline I'm really trying to work in here. Burrow Be Better. It's not in the in the written copy, but we'll see what they uh, say. It's pretty that. good, actually. It's not bad. It's sort of catchy. Burrow Be Better, test. All right. Well, we all miss basketball, so that's why everyone has no problem watching playoff game after playoff game after playoff game. That being said, four games in a row means a lot of sitting. you got to find things to do to break it up a little bit, break up that monotony. That's where Manscaped has helped me. Their cordless trimmer can be used anywhere while taking in the game that trimmer and my laptop go everywhere i go (laughs) and if i want to throw in a workout i get in a deep squat position start down at the ankles with the trimmer buzz up toward the calf push into the feet and rise into that squat buzz that thigh that undercarriage the pubis area stomach chest and complete the squat and feel free to continue up to the head if you need a haircut. All done. Now we just got to do one more squat. Start down in a full squat. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring, get all this guys, tempered stainless steel tools and it includes slashed tip tweezers, rounded, point scissors fingernail clippers and a medium grit nail file you got no excuse not to be a good groomer and now you can get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code the athletic 20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code the athletic 20 take your grooming game to the next level level how fast level. do your nails grow tess pretty slow I'm yeah most i'm pretty much uh like lead door dashing weekly <laughs> you only clip your nails when you order DoorDash. <laughs> I get yeah. it. It's good timing. It's I, good reminder. I, I actually prefer the contact with the my driver. Still like that contact, so I got to make sure I'm trimmed so I don't <laughs> yeah. cut my driver. <laughs> okay, good. Because I can't say contactless. So oh, gotta, it, it, it contactless. Work. Contactless. Contactless. Put emphasis on the yeah. con. Yeah, yeah take that you, T out of it. That second T out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, why is it even there? <laughs> Right? Great question. Yeah. Great, Great question. question. Right. Back to the games here. Um, FIBA Dragic, the Dragon, scores 23 as the Heat complete the sweep over the Pacers. They advance to the second round where they will wait to find out if they're playing the Bucks, which is very likely, or the Magic. But uh, Task, get us started with this. Miami 4-0 and uh, looked pretty good again here uh, yesterday. The Miami Heat have reached the final eight teams. If you said that before the season, that would definitely be... A huge season victory. That would be enough of an accomplishment. But the way we're watching them play right now, they got their sights set on those Milwaukee Bucks. And I think a big uh, an example of that or, or, or something that proves that is Andre Iguodala has played every fourth quarter minute in this series. Mm. Or played every fourth quarter minute. All 12, which is nuts. And so they're ready to go up against Giannis Tetacumbo with, with him and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. They think they've got enough length and, and enough defensive tenacity. The way they covered these Pacers all night long, uh, all series long, was really, really impressive. And uh, Goran Dragic, obviously another story again, um, especially with Jimmy Butler being hurt. He only took five shots in this game. The way that everybody stepped up around him throughout the series, Goran Dragic was a steady Eddie. And 
Tyler Hero stepping up in this fourth quarter. It's that old thing with the or the Miami Heat. They've got everybody going, everybody feeling good. It's almost a little bit harder to defend because you don't know where the shots are coming from. But everybody has to be up for the task, which is really, really difficult. And so far, so great. And uh, they were too much, obviously, for the Indiana Pacers. They yeah. just didn't have enough offense without Demata Sabonis and... Um, even Jeremy Lamb would have helped out big time, and Victor Oladipo wasn't himself. So this was uh, this was done from the get go. The way the Heat were playing, they played just really, really well for four straight games. Yeah, we won't, we won't get ahead of ourselves. We won't start making predictions for for Heat Bucks in the second round. And I know we still got to get to our Celtics Raptors. I think we'll maybe do that on tomorrow's show or Thursday. But uh, you look at the Heat, Lee, and they do check a lot of boxes uh, in in the likelihood of maybe being a challenge to the Bucks, maybe even going further. And what I mean by that is, like, they're obviously well-coached. They're great on both ends. So, you know, they're a decent offensive team and a decent defensive team. They've got a closer in Jimmy Butler. You're hoping the shoulder's okay. I mean, the guy was out there playing with one arm. That was... That was a little weird even for a guy like Jimmy. Um, <laughs> it was a little strange. But anyway, you know, you've got Bam as your defensive backbone. You've got... And, and you can run a lot of stuff through him offensively through the paint. You've got... Your your uh, vets in Iguodala, like Tass said, Crowder, I would throw into the mix. You've got sharpshooters like Tyler Hero, who was awesome in this one, especially on a night where Duncan Robinson, your other sharpshooter, doesn't have it really going. And then you've got Dragic, who I think is the ultimate X factor. This guy is playing incredible basketball. FIBA Dragic, this guy dominates an international play, and he's looking like that version of Goran Dragic to me, uh, especially late in games where him and Butler have a nice one-two going, and he is just hitting clutch shot after clutch shot. This team could challenge the Bucks, is what I'm getting at here. Uh, they, they look extremely, extremely solid and confident in uh, in their system right now and in being able to play on both ends of the floor. Am I reaching here? No, not at all. Uh, I think this is a good matchup for Miami. Um, they're also playing really, really well. They couldn't hit the three yesterday, uh, like, which is a, you know, that's fine. That They go a little bit cold, but you know they've got so many guys who can hit that three and can light it up, which when you look at what Milwaukee gives up, that sort of plays into Miami's hands as well. So yeah. that's uh, that's a fascinating little uh, series right now because the Bucks. I know we're going to get to them in a minute here, you know, haven't been playing all that well, but uh, you sort of expect they are going to get it together at some point. But if you're Miami, I think you've got to feel very confident right now because this game was one, uh, I think, again, Indiana could have won given that the fact that the Heat couldn't shoot those threes yesterday. But the Heat, and again, no Sabonis, so they're, they're missing one of their, their key uh, players there. But the Heat, just uh, another a sign of an experienced team and a good team is that just to find a way to continue to win. And again, it starts with, with Jimmy, who didn't have a great game, but they've got collectively a mentality that means that they just keep on working away, keep on fighting away, and they're never going to be uh, a blow, a, a, a pushover. Right. So if they can keep it close against the Bucks, they've got closers out there and, and they're going to feel very, very confident. Again, no home court in this series. So that also gives another little advantage, I think, to Miami because they don't have to go to Milwaukee to play. But also, if I remember earlier the season as well, they actually played the Bucks pretty well. I know it's a long time ago. They won two of three. Yeah, yeah. so so the Heat have got so many positives coming into this series. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that this is going to be a pretty fascinating matchup. I'm really looking forward to it um, because, like I say, the Heat, they've got weapons. They can score and they can defend. Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, that's good for them. Yeah, I think they're going to be a trendy pick. Yes, uh, Trey. For a lot of people, I, you can see a lot of people convincing themselves to, to take the heat maybe in six or seven over a box. What do you think? 
You're seeing a lot of upset guaranteed picks in the YouTube chat right now, though there are some Cream City boys hanging around <laughs> just in case anything starts going down. But um, for all the reasons you guys are have brought up, yeah, this looks like a tasty upset special because the Heat play a style that uh, is exactly what the Bucks don't want to see, and the Heat have been playing well so far, and they've got a lot of options. Um, you know, you're feeling pretty good about FIBA Dragic and maybe not so good about Bubble Bledsoe. So but there, that could be an advantage uh, for the Heat, no doubt about it, but we got to save it, save it, save it, save it, save <laughs> it. That being said, Tyler Hero, incredible in the fourth oh. quarter. This guy is good. He, um, We'll see what it's like when he goes in to play in Wisconsin. He's from Wisconsin. I was watching a clip of him in his high school days. He went to Kentucky, uh, and people were very mad that he didn't go and play for the Badgers up there. Uh, in Madison, so everybody shows up wearing like their Wisconsin hoodies. They're booing him. They're calling him a traitor, and he's just roasting people. So hopefully, it's a little bit more of that when he comes back to Milwaukee, back to Wisconsin, uh, showing out in front of the hometown fans. But who knows? The guy's a rookie, and he hasn't looked like a rookie so far in the playoffs. Maybe it changes as the intensity levels up even a little bit more. I don't think so. He just doesn't Probably seem not. like he doesn't seem phased by that. Did you see that like cra- I don't know how to describe what he did. It was like a scoop layup, but he was like drifting baseline and it was sort of finger roll esque. Do you know the shot I'm talking about? Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Smooth. Um yeah, and again, like I just like that they have this like one two punch of like as long as one of us is on, Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson, man, they are they're special because those guys can knock it down and are fearless of letting it go and letting it fly from outside. So that should be an awesome series. We'll try not, again, get too far ahead of ourselves, even though we already have. Did Oladipo, though, play his last game as a Pacer? Let me just chuck that out there. I know this was a rough ending for the Pacers. It was tough to hear, you know, Nate McMillan, you know, sort of like come up with, I guess, an excuse in a way that they got absolutely hammered on the board. I mean, they got punked in this one on the on the actual glass. Like, it was something like the Heat grabbed 37 percent of their misses like you know i have much of a chance to win the game but moving forward with indiana tasks i mean what, what do you do is it just like all right we didn't have our guy like it's not really fair Sabonis is our all-star he's our interior uh he's a big playmaker even for us let's not get ahead of ourselves and let's run it back next year with full squad or or are there moves to be made especially with a guy like will depot yeah, I've heard uh, this Oladipo buzz. It's uh, gaining some traction day in and day out, which is strange because he is signed for next season. Mm-hmm. And everybody is... Their hottest team that he would go to is the team that they just lost to, the Miami Heat, which is also strange. Uh, but I guess that's just the nature of uh, being in Indiana. People think you're going to leave if uh, you gain mm-hmm. some stardom, and that's that's scary. I don't really know where all this is coming from, but quite often in the NBA, where there's some heavy, heavy smoke, there's definitely some fire. So that's it's it's not a light, light smoke. It's not just a puff, puff. There's it seems like that there's a uh, some real a real possibility that he would be leaving. But I mean, I would run it back a hundred percent. But Oladipo doesn't look like himself quite now. So what are you even? getting for Oladipo if you mm. if you know he's leaving if you're the Pacers front office if you're Kevin Pritchard are you getting a big package like you did like you would have I should say last year uh, before he got injured uh, after his fantastic 18 season no I don't think so so I, I don't know I unless he's if he's demanding it that makes sense right um, but right. I, I wouldn't let him go so if he's saying, look, I mean, if I'm going to be leaving when I'm a free agent. So if, you know, 
have at it if you want to trade me now and get something back and go with Brogdon and Warren and Sabonis and then whatever else you could get back, be it picks or, uh, you know, another young player or two. It's all up to Oladipo, you're saying. Like, if he wants out, then you got to maybe make a move. And if he doesn't, then why wouldn't you continue to run this team back? Do you agree with that, uh, Lee? Yeah, I guess so. And I guess if you're Pritchard as well, you're like, what would we be prepared to pay Oladipo when he is a free agent? You know, right. is, it's fair is too. He, you know, is he worth 25, 30 million a season? Uh, sometimes he looks like it, but uh, other times he doesn't. But it's also been a weird bubble experience for him because remember, he was like, he was going to go down with the team, but then not play, and they were going to pay him anyway. And then he decided to play. And he hasn't looked all that great. So it probably wasn't, I mean, it's, it's easy to look back now and say it wasn't maybe the right decision, but I guess he wanted to get out there and help his guys and he felt good enough to go out there and contribute, but he was uh, clearly a bit rusty. So uh, I, I think, yeah, with Sabonis back, they may as well run it back because they're, you know, a decent team, but they're kind of, they're kind of just in that same spot they've been in for a while, the Pacers. Better than a lot of teams, but not really a contender either. So, <clears throat> excuse me. What do you do in that situation? Do you blow it up and start again, or do you just hope that maybe uh, these guys can get it together one season and and they and they make a big push and, and potentially go to the conference finals or further? I mean, that's the sort of situation they're in. They're they're a resilient team, they're a consistent team, but they're never really that close to uh, to winning a title. Trey, anything to add? Well, the only thing I would add is that we're just seeing how good Demontis Sabonis is with him being out for the series against the Heat. He is so crucial to them as a playmaker in the big man spot, and he has such great chemistry with all of their guards, even Jeremy Lamb, who's not playing. You know, he, He's got great chemistry with Oladipo and with Brogdon for the dribble handoffs, the fake dribble handoffs, getting to the line, holding it down on the glass, and then coordinating things defensively as well. He's, um, you know, everybody on the Pacers said he was their best player this season. Obviously, he was making it to his first All-Star game, but... I think we're seeing just how much he actually brings to the table when you're looking at the Pacers now as a team who's having trouble getting stops and getting shots. Yeah, and getting rebounds too, mm-hmm. which he could also help with for sure. All right, let's keep it going here. Final game. Chris Middleton comes alive in the fourth quarter. Bucks take the 3-1 lead task. Middleton scoring 18 of his 21 in the final frame. And uh, the Magic, you know, stuck around for a good chunk of this game, but the Bucks pulled it out in the end. What's your big takeaway? Yeah, Chris Middleton is the key for me always. He had three points going into the fourth, and apparently Yanis Tetkumpo, according to our colleagues at The Athletic, told Chris Middleton, just shoot the ball until your arms fall off. (laughs) And that's what he did. He knows, he knows that he needs Chris Middleton to step up. And Chris Middleton has had a quiet four games here. Obviously, the loudest part was that fourth quarter, scoring 18 points in that fourth queue. He did come on in game three a little bit with the 17-pointer, uh, but that's how quiet it's been. That 17-point was the 17-point performance was loud. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Chris Middleton to show up. And the reason why people want to pick the Miami Heat is because the Bucks have not looked convincing, and they won, yeah, by double digits again over the Orlando Magic. That's not convincing. You're a one seed, and they have not looked great. And uh, I worry that yeah, they come into Game One against those Heat whenever it is, because this series is over against the Orlando Magic, uh, and they get romped and then they're playing from behind so they've got a they've got to hope that they have a great game five uh, against the magic on wednesday that's what they need they need to be playing really really well going up against a team you know in the miami heat that's going to have duncan robinson coming off a pick that first uh, possession then the second possession then the third possession if you're not guarding the three-point line well you're down nine twelve points already so that's um that's looking ahead but you could see that happening because the Bucks have not looked good against the Magic. 
They got to hope for a good game five. I got to hope for a good game five from Chris Middleton. I need that 35 <laughs> points, my man. Oh, geez, why are you waiting so long to finally find your shot? If he would have had a decent like little first half, I'd been probably got to my 35 uh, in game four. But uh, not looking good for me here either. Because uh, Nice to see he got it going late. So maybe that spills over into game five. But I don't know what else you have to add to this, uh, Lee. This series is a wrap. Um, and, you know, again, credit to the Magic. Vucevic has been awesome. The shot is there. They've given him that little shot, and he's taken advantage of it. And Fultz has been solid in this series, too. Solid. You know, I think we go a little overboard because of just how low the bar was dropped for him uh, with the Philly experiment. But average like 12-5. and He turns the ball over too much and can't really shoot all that well from the floor. But he hit his threes. So that's nice moving forward. Uh, 45% from three in this series. Not on a ton of attempts, but uh, that's, that's good. But anything to add to this? We're going to see a double douchebag sweep from the number one seeds because uh, <laughs> mm. the Lakers are going to do it and the Bucks are going to do it. The Bucks a little less convincing, but uh, you sort of see glimpses of it from the Bucks there. You think, okay, this is, you know, that, then it's coming together. But then uh, there are other times where it's just like, oh, they're just not quite there. Bledsoe, you know, didn't have a great game uh, yesterday. And, and that's the big question going forward. They need him. As much as you guys are talking about Middleton, we need to see a breakout playoff performance from Bledsoe and he's going to get a great opportunity against the Miami Heat to do it. And so that's what I think can really change things for the Bucks. Uh, yeah, for the Bucks, excuse me, is uh, if Bledsoe can find, you know, something else, another level to step up to, then it takes a little bit more pressure off Middleton. It takes a little bit more pressure off even a Brook Lopez, you know, some of these other role players, because Bledsoe, if he drives inside and he's hitting that three and he's getting to the free throw line and he's giving the Bucks some consistent offense, then, uh, then changes the, uh, their whole outlook. But, you know, we know that he hasn't performed a lot in the playoffs in the past. We keep waiting. We keep making excuses for him. Now he's going to have to really, really do it, I think, if the Bucks are going to uh, go f- further in this series because this is a tough matchup for them against the Heat. I know we're going to get to it a little bit later on you know, in the week, but Bledsoe, it's time for him to sort of stand up, I think. Yikes. <laughs> I mean, this is why a lot of people are picking the Heat because you're uh, putting a lot of hope into Bledsoe and Middleton to get it going here in the playoffs. Yeah, Bledsoe and Middleton versus Dragic and Jimmy Butler so far. And Dragic obviously has been balling, and Butler showed up in closing moments so far in the playoffs. Uh, It's going to be a scary matchup, especially when you consider, like you're saying, Skeets, Vucevic had a really good series uh, against the Bucs. He's been over 30 in three of the games. That's a stretch five, and that's a stretch five is a position that has given Mike Budenholzer teams trouble in the past. Shout out to Pero Antic. Knocking him down. I guess he was against right. the, the Pacers, right? Remember when that was all stretched out? You can see the seeds of what the Heat would want to do when you consider they got Bam, who can hit from mid-range. They've got Kelly Olynyk who will pull from outside, maybe be able to create a little bit. And maybe they even dust off Myers Leonard to chuck up some threes. That's a position that could be a problem. Uh, and if you're, if you're combining that with underwhelming play from the perimeter from Bledsoe and Middleton, that's exactly why people are going to be on the Heat. Um... That being said, you know, it's it's all it's all different until they're actually playing the games. But there are things you can look at from this series being unimpressed with the Bucks, And there are a lot of things they need to clean up defensively for a team that's been the best in the league the entire season. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the guys in the polo shirts. 76ers fired coach Brett Brown after seven seasons yesterday. This news uh about as surprising as the sun rising. Uh, <laughs> we knew it was coming. It was just when. Um, but. Brown is gone, and according to Woj, the franchise's plan is that Elton Brand, their GM, will continue to oversee basketball operations, but the personnel and the structure in the front office is undergoing significant evaluation and that a change is looming. A change is coming here, Tass. 
and uh, we will see. So, again, not a surprise that Brett Brown is gone, but there are some names being thrown around. Ty Lue as a possibility. <laughs> Big name to come in there. Why are you laughing at Ty Lue? Uh, just because there's so many coaching vacancies. Ty Lue's getting one of these jobs. It's just, right. you know, Brooklyn, <laughs> New Orleans, uh, this one down there in Philadelphia, and maybe another one in Houston at some, you know, if the Rockets yeah. don't go far, there could be another one. So Ty Lue's getting a job. And probably Jason Kidd's getting one as well. well There's right, enough right. out there. And uh, Villanova's two-time national championship coach, Jay Wright, also a possibility because it's in Philadelphia and this always <laughs> seems to be the case. But yeah, um, the, maybe a big part here, Tass, like do you think, okay, he's gone, Brown is gone, we knew that was going to happen. He was there seven seasons. This is a long damn time. He obviously oversaw the process and all that. Couldn't get them to the next level. Do you think, though, that the shakeup does need to happen there in the front office as well? It can't just be the coach. It's got to be a little bit more of the decision makers in building the roster and moving forward. So what is the the decision of the front office? Elton Brand's going to stick around, but we're going to shake up the how we... How we do what? <laughs> what are they doing? What are they, what are they doing in the front office there? Oh, so this is just classic Great like question. type of talk, you know, like organizational talk that we'll throw into the press release or we'll leak to whoever, and we're not really going to do anything except hire a new coach. I have no idea. <laughs> as far as Brett Brown goes, uh, he needs uh, a, a replacement that's going to be hard on Joel Embiid. That's what the job should be. That's your job description, and and then. Yeah, buy into what we're doing. So I think Ty Lue makes sense. Uh, I think he he definitely had the respect of LeBron James when they won that uh, finals trophy. And that would be a fitting guy for me uh, to try and get the most out of Joel Embiid. And they're not trading Embiid. They're not tra- trading Simmons right now. Of all the guys mentioned, you know, Jay Kidd and, and Jay Wright and, and Aimee Udoka, I, th- I think that would be the fit uh, for me. I- I'd guess Ty Lue would get that job, but Ty Lue probably he has a couple options, probably has a couple choices. Ty Lue better do a good job if he's the Sixers coach. You're going to see a lot of that photo <laughs> of Allen Iverson <laughs> stepping over Ty Lue. A whole lot of it. Uh, what do you think, Trey? Uh, I think Ty Lue should hire Allen Iverson as his assistant coach and take over the Sixers. Really mash that beef. Um, but... <laughs> You got to hope that Elton Brand is getting help. Who knows what a shakeup in the front office means, but something needs to change there because Brett Brown is being fired because he's the easiest change to make. Like Tess said, they're not trading Embiid or Simmons. Elton Brand is not going to fire himself. Something had to change, and it ended up being Brett Brown. But the reason I feel like the Sixers were so bad is that they took a team that was four bounces from making the conference finals – after they had drafted Markel Fultz, a point guard, number one, after they had brought in Jimmy Butler to handle the ball, two big moves saying we need ball handling and playmaking. Those guys are both gone, so we're not bringing any ball handling and playmaking in. It didn't make any sort of sense. Um, you know, there's just too much on Simmons for a guy who hasn't been able to stay on the court, just like Joel Embiid hasn't been able to stay on the court. John Hollinger has a great breakdown of the athletic of all the moves that have been made by the Sixers since Sam Hinkie was ousted uh, from the front office, and it's bad. You know, like, they're trading extra picks, which they stockpiled to be able to do, but they're trading extra picks for half a season of Jimmy Butler or a whole bunch of picks for Tobias Harris when he's going to be a free agent that coming summer. There have been a lot of mistakes. The team doesn't make sense personnel-wise, so that, to me, is the biggest thing that needs to change. The people who are bringing the players in aren't picking good players. It's hard to be a coach, and it's hard to have a cohesive team if the pieces don't fit. 
Yeah, I thought uh, ESPN's Kevin Pelton made a good point yesterday when it comes to whether or not you can find a coach to fix the Sixers with this roster currently uh, as it is. And he said, we have seen seemingly weaker rosters that have been transformed into contenders just by uh, a visionary coach, right, in his words. The Warriors are a great example, of course. Mm -hmm. The Raptors are a, a very recent example. So it can happen. I, 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 I do believe that. Um, unlocking Embiid and Simmons together like you're talking about, Tass, or at least getting more out of Embiid and maybe getting these other guys uh, working better in their roles. So, yeah, this is what they're going to do. We always said it right from the get-go. They're going to get a new coach and give it a chance. Also, you just don't want to tank your potential trade value of any of your two guys, be it Embiid or Simmons, by saying, we're going to have to trade Embiid or Simmons. Like, why would you ever do that anyway, even if you are thinking long-term you're going to do that? So... We'll see. Ty Lue, someone else, uh, will have a go at it and see if they can do a better job Brett Brown. It has been interesting, this timing. Did you guys see the reports of, like, well, Jimmy Butler actually left because Brett Brown and him were clashing? You know, <laughs> you know is that, again, is that just perfect, uh, you know, uh, bury the guy as he's walking out of the door sort of mentality here and, and, and guys in the front, org- front office sort of saving face a little bit? Well, look, it was Brett Brown. I mean, that's why we couldn't keep Jimmy. That's why we lost Jimmy. Um that's always a possibility, or maybe it was real. I mean, Jimmy has been known to clash with people, um, so that could have been the case. But, you know, you have a great relationship with Brett Brown, Lee. He, he can never remember who you are. Anything to add to this? <laughs> no, but uh, the Jimmy Butler thing, thing uh, I mean, they were clashing basically as soon as Jimmy turned up there. You know, he was unhappy with the film sessions, apparently, calling out Brett Brown. But, uh, look, on paper, I think, you know, it's Simmons, Embiid, and Horford, uh, and Richardson, I like, I like that on paper. So if the right coach can come in, and find how to sort of spread the floor and get these guys shots and get these guys uh, dominating from their positions, then there's something there. There's, cert- there's certainly plenty to work with in Philadelphia, but Horford may not be there, who knows? Um, and, and maybe they do make another trade for, uh, you know, to get rid of Tobias Harris or someone, but tough with those contracts. So I think if you are the uh, incoming coach, you have to assume you're going to have both of those guys and you just have to figure out a way to work. Now, if it does work, then I think the Sixers can become a legitimate title contender immediately if they can get right. everyone on the right page. But if it doesn't, then it probably says more about the roster construction rather than the coach. Uh, because, you know, Brett Brown, I mean, I think I think he is a good coach. I don't know if he gets another opportunity somewhere else, but uh, he wasn't able to get the best out of those guys. If someone else can, then that is a bad look on Brett Brown. But if someone else can't, then it probably shows you uh, more to do with just how that, that team was put together rather than who was coaching it. In other coaching news, the Brooklyn Nets, who were eliminated from the playoffs on Sunday, are reportedly interested in Spurs icon Greg Popovich as their next head coach, and will explore that possibility. Shams dropped this bombshell on Monday. Lee, let's go to you first, because I'm interested. <laughs> as you I, said, Greg Popovich is hanging it up. He's not even going to be coaching anymore, but Shams says, no, 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 the Nets are going to yeah. explore the possibility. What are the chances of this happening? Well, it, it makes sense when you have Kyrie and Kevin Durant there that Popovich is the one who's going to immediately command respect from those guys, like a Phil Jackson when, when he went with Show, uh, Shaq and Kobe. You know, So these guys are going to listen, and they're going to buy in immediately, sure. and they're going to... They're going to, you know, fight for the right reasons. They're going to go out there and put the team first and all that. So that makes perfect sense. Um, what what I don't think Popovich wants to do is is move at this stage of his life. I think he's more than happy in San Antonio living there. I don't think he wants to go and live in New York. And also, it's sort of um, Popovich is fine and he enjoys developing young players. So while the Spurs are, are clearly now at a stage where they're going to have to sort of start again, you look at some of their young pieces they've got there, Keldon Johnson, uh, Dejounte Murray, 
for example, Popovich likes getting a lot out of these guys. Look at someone like Derek White, the growth he's shown in the last couple of years. He was on Team USA last year. And I think, and, and I remember Pop talking about how he loves working with young guys and getting the best out of them. So going to a situation where he has two legit stars already, it's a different challenge for sure. The expectations are immediately to contend. And that may appeal to Pop to say, you know what, I don't, I, I want to go to a team where I know I can win a championship again and have that feeling. But I just don't think he wants to do that. I, I think he would rather just stay in San Antonio. So I'd be very surprised if he makes this move. Tass, what are the odds of this ever happening? Hmm. I love math. What's lower <laughs> than zero? A you negative don't, you integer. You don't see it, eh? Yeah. Uh, no, I doubt it. How, how would it? How? How? It just doesn't make much sense. I, I guess if, if Pop is just feeling it one day and he says, I want to try something new, and uh, he feels like going out in, into Brooklyn, and of course he would make them a lot better and he would make the roster cohesive, sure. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't see the, the logic behind Pop moving on at this point of his career. Yeah, you see why the Nets would want to explore the possibility. <laughs> yeah. And Pop does have a lot of connections, right, to, to a lot of people in the Nets organization. I mean, there's uh, Sean Marks as a GM, uh, the, the assistant GM, obviously Spurs ties, Jacques Vaughn himself, other assistant coaches like Tiago Splitter. There's a lot of former Spurs personnel there. So maybe he just wants to get the band back together, Pop. Uh, <laughs> I think it's unlikely. But yeah, sure. I mean, if anything, this just shows your uh, your net stars like Katie and Kyrie. Like, oh yeah, you guys think that would be a good idea? Okay, we'll explore the possibility. I mean, like just even throwing that out there to the world at least looks good. Like, hey, no, we are serious about taking this to the next level. We're going to try and get the best coach of all time maybe in here. He'll probably say no, but we're going to try. <laughs> and that says something. So anything to add here, Trey? Yeah, where were the Bulls at on this one? Jim Boylan, a former <laughs> Greg Popovich assistant, they could be making the same pitch. He's our number one candidate. Uh, the question to me is, this isn't going to happen, but if it did, if, if Greg Popovich wanted to go to the Nets, what would you trade for Popovich to be your coach this late into his career, right? Because there, uh, there was a coach trade, Doc Rivers going yeah. to the Clippers. Is Greg Popovich worth two first-round picks of players who actually play basketball on the court for you? Two? Wow. I don't know. I mean, the uh, guy's the greatest coach in the history of the game, some would say. Huh. Sure. Two. Maybe. No I guess two if you're... I mean, I don't know. How many picks do the Nets have? I don't have off the top of my head here, but... I think uh, I think they're back into at least normal credit. You know, they, they didn't have <laughs> okay, a pick good. for five years, but I think they've they've kept okay. all their own going forward. But Wow. Um, wow. They'd also be bad picks as far as, you know, they're in the 20s most mm-hmm. likely with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, true. True. And, yeah, and you would expect, like, I don't know, is a pick that low going to help them immediately because like they're thinking yeah title contender right now if you brought pop in as your coach and you have those two guys and they and still even young talent around them yeah that's interesting i guess so trey i guess the answer is absolutely doc rivers uh, apparently was an unprotected one first round pick right and i mean he was you know he was i guess seven years after winning the title with the celtics at that point it will be six and a half years for Greg Popovich the last one he's obviously older you're probably not going to get him for 10 or 15 years like the Clippers are hoping but I don't know I mean they're going to be late 20s picks but maybe if you're the Spurs maybe if Greg Popovich is working that double agent role he can say I've seen the medicals they're not good take the unprotected picks Kyrie and KD are going down we're getting a top five and then he comes back to San Antonio just saying it could happen. Wow, that would be incredible. I love that theory. Okay, let's uh, start wrapping this up. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. 
All right, we've had too much basketball in this podcast today, so I'm uh, I'm veering here with this tweet of the night. At Picks11News, they tweeted, KFC sent in a statement that they are pausing the use of finger-licking good in marketing because it does not seem appropriate for 2020. Do you agree? That's my question to you, Lee. KFC getting rid of finger-licking good as that great <laughs> slogan. What do you think? I think this is reverse uh, publicity that they're actually saying, hey, let's get some publicity going again there so everyone can talk about KFC's trademark slogan, mm. finger-licking good. Now, everyone's going to start talking about it again. They're going to go to KFC. because I so, think uh, So they're I not think, actually going to get rid of it either. This is I just don't think the, so. Okay. I think okay. it's just that reverse psychology. Like, let's just put it out there, pretend we're getting rid of it just to get people talking about it again. Do you like KFC? Uh, well, you know, in Sunbury, that was the first fast food restaurant oh, really right. we got, KFC. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I used to love going down there, but I haven't, I mean, I just haven't had it for years. Um, but they always had better fries than anywhere else. I'd say their fries are the best ones I've ever had because they had the, you know, the seasoning on them was great. So, uh, <laughs> shout out to KFC fries. <laughs> yeah. Well, because McDonald's fries are just salt, but the, the seasoning on the KFC fries were always better. So, yeah, good fries. KFC. Shout out to their fries. Finger licking good fries. Um, <laughs> can you? Yeah, you probably can, yeah. yeah. Dash them. Dash yeah. them up. Yeah, one, one funny week, thing about Canada, actually, was every time in the summer you go to someone's house for a barbecue, there's always a bucket of KFC there. Ah, someone's, yeah. Someone's, chicken. Yeah, someone's like, bang, there it is. Barbecue, uh, <laughs> fried chicken at a barbecue. Okay. Yeah, it's delicious. Although I've always said KFC tastes better the second day. It's the weirdest thing. Like a cold chicken. I love it. Love oh. cold KFC. Yeah. I just straight up buy the bucket. Don't touch it. Put it right in the fridge. Eat it all the next day. <laughs> it's 10 times better. I swear to God. Then, then, it, then warm. And that's very weird for me because I like hot food way more than most cold food. But something about KFC, that skin, I don't know, gets a little more crispy there. Right? <laughs> uh, is that going to be their new catchphrase? If they're dropping finger licking good, their new one is buy a bucket. Don't touch it. Your chicken (laughs) cold from KFC. (laughs) They got to have a replacement. That's a classic uh, slogan. They're going to regret saying goodbye to finger licking good. We're going to look back on this like the hardened trade. (laughs) (laughs) To ask finger looking good. Are you with Lee? Is this just, uh, it ain't going anywhere. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they still got the patent. They'll bring it back. No problem. Whenever they want to bring it back. Fingers. Next year, yeah, everybody still got fingers next year, I'm pretty sure. They'll bring it back. <laughs> All right, good. Let's get to game of the day. Only two games on. Oh, my God, our first day in a long time without quadruple header action. The quadzilla, as you've called it before, Tass. What are our games? Double header on TNT, Jazz, Nuggets. Jazz up 3-1 in that series. The old 6:30 Eastern start. And then the nightcap. Mavs Clippers, oh baby, tied at deuces, game five. Whoa, 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 that's not just a game five. That's a pivotal game five. Yeah, baby, we got the first pivotal game five. It's so pivotal. I agree. Uh, this is going to be a big pivot in the series. Whoever takes this thing, uh, Christoph Porzingis, game time decision after having that MRI on his knee. Mm. came back negative, so it's a good sign. And uh, after watching his boy, Luca, play on that bum ankle, Chris Tapp's lungs, it's not serious. I'm guessing it'll be out there, but who knows? Hopefully he's out there for uh, yeah, this game that Clippers are, are going to be feisty. They are going to be angry. I think Doc Rivers will get them uh, riled up for this game. Should be a good one. What's the over-underline on Paul George's points on this? Is that six and a half? Seven and a half? Oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> He'll go for 30 tonight, watch. Um, yeah, that's going to be a big playoff P game, unfortunately. <laughs> we have to be talking about playoff P and dropping oh, 30 man. tonight. Do you want to hedge your Chris Middleton bet? I'll give you Paul George at 32 and a half points. That I... Okay, So, so Paul George has to score... Uh, more than thirty-two, more than thirty-two points. No, I don't want that. No, I thought you were going to give me the under in that option. No, no, no. I'm, no. I'm saying you can trade it in for your Chris Middleton if you want. Who's got to go for? Oh, 35. just like completely get rid of my Chris Middleton one. So the so <laughs> the bet so the bet is done tonight. Oh. The bet is done tonight. You can take thirty-three Paul George points, or you can have thirty. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. 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 Paul now George is averaging fifteen points in this series. Okay. Yeah, but, you hey. know what? But this is good. Is it more likely that Paul George yeah goes for thirty-three or more today, or that yeah. Chris Middleton scores thirty-five in a probably Probably a blowout win. Exactly. Okay, I'll take it. I like okay. that. I'll I'll take Paul Short. All right, okay. I'm back on uh, the playoff <laughs> Come on, baby. All right. So Paul you got, the only thing you got to do is you got to text um, Grish and ask him if he would have taken that same deal. So okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'll, and I'll also make my notes so we can keep track of all this. Okay. And final question here before we go, Lee. What the hell are you gonna do all day now that basketball isn't on and you know starting up at one o'clock? Not the first game's not till six thirty tonight. What are you gonna do? Well, it's great. School has started though for my uh, my eight year old. So uh, and he finished finishes at like one thirty. <laughs> like what the hell? One thirty. School's finished. They start at eight in the morning and they're done at one thirty. So uh, yeah, I've got I've got a full afternoon. Although it's been raining all day, so uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do this oh, afternoon. Oh, you're going to be cooped up inside today, man. Uh yeah, we'll we'll like we'll it. we'll figure something out. Yeah, yeah, we'll all do right. some Lego one. So your answer is just. Play with my know. young boys. Yeah. <laughs> Delivering some PlayStation with the young boys. <laughs> Tass, Lee, the Trey, what are you doing today? Anything? Yeah, I found my tiddlywinks set, so I'm going to throw down, you know. <laughs> How do you even tiddly a wink? What is that? Like, you like, you like bop it and like it pops a thing into a... Look, I'm, I'm just talking about tiddlywinks according to Looney Tunes. I don't know if this is the actual way to play it, but it seemed like you would press... On a tiddlywink with another tiddlywink. Yeah. Tiddlywink A bounces into a cup. <laughs> and then you win? That's what tiddlywinks is? I don't know. I, I always have no idea. tiddlywinks was oddly... Like, what was that one game where it was, like, a bunch of, like, almost like uh, chicken skewers... And like you had to remove them and hope something didn't fall through. Do you know what game? Oh, Plunkett or something was. Oh, see, I thought that was Tiddlywinks. Nah, which I don't know why I thought that was called. No, I I thought you had to like, yeah, you sort of press on one thing to to flip it up into the other thing. Oh, well, it sounds like I'm wrong for sure. All right, Tash, going to try and look up Tiddlywinks today. Is that what you're going to do all day? (laughs) Mm Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go wink some tiddles uh, down at the uh, the old game store, which is closed. Game store. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go wink some Get tittles down at the old game store, which is closed. All right, let's call it there. Email us your questions and comments to no dunks at theathletic.com. Grab yourself some no dunks merch over at nodunks.com. And if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, please leave your boys a five star rating and review. Clipper Bros, you heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, playoff P. His playoff average in his career, 19.8 points, six years where he averaged 19 points or more. 19, between 19 and 29 points. He's going to have a biggie. Go playoff P. Brace the day, people. Mm-hmm.